Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service as an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Amen. Thank you, Lisa Ebersol, for reading God's word. Words from the great I am, holy, holy, holy. We're in the midst of a series, week six of 11, and we're working our way through the book of Philippians. And sometimes I think it, as we wrestle with being different like Jesus, and there can be frustration that grows up inside of us. Can I really change? Can I really be different like Jesus? I think we all get to places where we tend to bump into people maybe that we haven't seen for years, maybe even decades. And I know I've had some of those occurrences recently. And, and uh, you know, you get talking to someone you haven't seen for 20 years and you start talking about, well, what about this guy? And what about her? And what about him? And, and then, oh my goodness, I saw him a couple years. He hasn't changed a bit. And, 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 and you know, I had a, one recently where I was like, the longer I talked, I thought, well, you know what? You haven't changed a bit either. And as I walked away from that conversation, I said to my wife, Diane, I said, I wonder if they're saying the same thing about me. We haven't seen him for 20 years and he hasn't changed a bit. Why is change so hard? And, you know, if you have your sermon, God encourage you to follow along. And I do want to mention the next steps. There are every week, so many powerful ways that you can dig in deeper to what's shared today and wrestle with the principles that we're talking about today in ways that you can own them in your own life. But, but the question, and there's three questions I'm gonna to pose today, is it really possible for me to change? And you know, two weeks ago, we stood together as a congregation declaring our allegiance to Jesus and his calls and, 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 and the calls of the gospel. And, and it focused mostly on Philippians 1.27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Boy, those were incredible declarations that, that we made. 
I remember being at a youth specialties conference years and years ago, and it's to train volunteers and youth ministers to do ministry better and to encourage them. And I remember one of the keynote speakers showing a picture of a mission team, and, and it was at the end of their, their, their couple weeks on the mission field, and it was all of the ones that went to serve along with those that they had served, and there's this big group of people, and everyone's smiling, and there's such a good feeling. And I remember the speaker saying, you know, that is really good, and those are happy memories, but what I really want to know, where are each of those individuals going to be one year from now? That's what's going to, to matter the most. Man, what's changed in your life the last couple weeks? What's changed in my life the last couple months? as a result of my interaction with the living God, my interaction with the truth of God. There's so much that can get in the way of lasting spiritual transformation actually taking place in our lives. And, and, and our stories here are all different and, and we're all from, from at different places in our spiritual journeys. But, but, but I, you know, as I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, uh, just about where do I fall in this and, and where does the, our church family fall? And, and yet we have different stories. We're at different places. And, and, and I think as we wrestle with change and is change possible for me, I, I kind of, as I thought this through, I, I saw it fall into three possible categories. And, and the first one is that some of us, I, I think we've concluded that we're never going to be different like Jesus. We're never going to be different like Jesus. I mean, look what he did. I and mean, we're never going to be different like Paul who wrote this letter letter, and we're never going to be different like Mary, and we're just not. We know ourselves, and, and, and we've just accepted, I've got no shot at this. It's really not going to happen for me, and, and we just kind of can settle into being content and realizing we're settling for less than that, and, and, and we just, we feel like, yeah, spiritual lives are important, but they're not the dominant factors in our lives. And as I thought about this more, I thought of another category, and, and, and I bump into individuals that express this in varying ways, and, and I think there's some, some of us here were frustrated with the process, frustrated with the process of trying to be different like Jesus. And we feel like Jesus, maybe he's not holding up his end of things. We're not seeing the transformation in our own lives that we want to see, and we're not seeing the transformation in the lives of people that we love a lot. And, and we're wondering, why isn't there more change? And why didn't God do this? And, and, and when so many people prayed, why didn't? And, and, and we're starting to question, God, where, where exactly are you in this? I, I want to feel your presence more. We feel like my, my spiritual journey matters, but my faith is waning some. And maybe there's some here that feel this way, and you feel like there should be more, and you're asking, God, where exactly are you in this? And then I have a third category here. Uh, some, I think, firmly believe in God, and, and you're, you believe in God. You believe he's that awesome God, and, and, and you don't doubt him for the lack of spiritual transformation that you're 
you're not seeking your own life and those you love. Instead, you're, you're blaming yourself and, and you're just starting to say, what, what in the world is wrong with me? I desperately want more and, and, and what do I do? What do I need to do differently, God? What is missing in my life? I'm willing to do anything, but I feel clueless about how to really change to be different like Jesus. And I, I can relate to all three of those categories. I've been in all three of them. I weave in out of them. I want to tell you that, 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 that there is a, a strong, strong uh, discontent in my heart. Uh, God, I, 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 I so much want myself and, and, and our church family to experience your presence, and, and I want your presence to be felt in, in all of our lives, in the lives of those, those that we love, and, and in the lives of, of the world around us. And it's so important that we recognize that spiritual transformation must begin in each of us first, and, and it's so important that we recognize, man, I, I've got this discontent, and I know there can be more, and I don't want to just be the same. I don't want to be the same next year or five years from now or 10 years from now. I want God and who he is and his truth to have an impact on me and those that I love. God, please, God, please, and I want all of us, I want you to just take a few moments right now, and, and, and if you relate to any of those stories that I just told, I encourage you just to bow your head, tell God where you're at, what your heart desire is, and ask him to speak to you. Let's call out to God right now. Would you bow your head and pray for these next few moments? Father God, thank you for hearing our cries and God, I do pray that you will do the work that only you can do through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, show up in ways that, 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 that penetrate our hearts and minds. God, we want to be different like Jesus. But God, we all understand, if we're honest with ourselves and you, that, that, that there's some obstacles there. So God, I just pray that you'll help us to take that next, rep, next right step here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, assuming change is possible, the question then comes up, how can I become different? How can I change? And last week, in, in the first several verses of chapter 2, as Pastor Darrell shared with us, and, and, and Paul's calling out the Philippian believers for, for growth to take place, for change to take place, and, and, and he wants them to stop being selfish and prideful, and, and he wants them to put others above themselves, start investing in others. And then Paul, in verse 5, he suddenly launches into the heavens and, and we end up seeing, seeing the God, the Father, highly exalting his Son, uh, declaring that his name is above every name, that every knee will bow, that every tongue will declare him Lord. With, with this end result in verse 11, the glory of God the Father. And now in today's passage, Paul just suddenly, after taking us up into heavens, swoops us back down to earth in very practical ways. And, and it's as though he's saying, yes, there's, there's, 
that foundational truth about who God is and what Jesus did and what he left and his sacrifice. And ultimately, the, 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 our lives can bring glory to God that, that he said, you know, it, but we don't want this to be something that we just look at as kind of pie in the sky, but, but there's stuff that, that, that God wants to do in us right now. It, 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 it's about being different like Jesus. God wants to meet every one of us right where he's planted us. And, and, and he wants to, to use us in ways that, that, that transform the world that we live in. But, but is it really possible for us to do life like Jesus did? To humble ourselves, to give up so much to sacrifice even to the point of death, in order to rescue us. Is that really possible? So Paul, in his letter, in our verse 12 of chapter two says, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard, work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And we can feel Paul's concern. He loves these believers, and we've established that the last few weeks. He loves these believers, and, and he's separated from them by hundreds of miles. And, 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 and we know what it's like to, you know, we don't want our kids just to thrive when they're right there under roof with us. We want them, as they branch out and become independent, we want them to, 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 be, to, to be doing well. Uh, and, and, and he's concerned, and, and he's saying, I, even though we're separate right now, I want to be sure that, that, that you are conducting your lives in ways that are, are, are productive. So he's reminding them, and that's what this letter is about, to be different like Jesus. It, here he says in words that make it clear it requires intentionality every day of our lives. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Philippian believers, it's tough. You gotta grow. <laughs> There's stuff that's not going right. You're not representing me well. And, and so you've gotta work hard at some things here. Now, a reminder of something I've touched on a few times in the last several months, and, and that is that our salvation experience, when we put our trust in Jesus, that, that's not the end game right there. That's the gateway that leads us into a walk with God where he continually wants to transform us. Sanctification, making us more and more like Jesus, not the end goal, just the beginning of his goals for us, for our salvation. And so Paul's motivating this entire body of believers. He's wanting them to know that as they live in community, that, that their conduct, how they do relationships together, uh, will show all who observe them that their salvation is a game changer, live in a way that shows that salvation has had an incredible impact upon your life, that there's something different here, 
something different in that person, something different in that cluster of people that can't be denied. And the world does not see that if there's arguing, complaining, and bickering. Ho-hum, they move on. Every worthwhile pursuit in life takes a pattern of commitment and sacrifice on our part. If we decide we want to lose weight and eat healthier, man, that takes a, a pattern of commitment, and, and that's hard work. Or if it's, I want to get healthier, I want to exercise more, there's effort, there's work that has to be done for that to be accomplished for us, whether it's a sport that we want to excel in or, or a musical instrument we want to master or a vocational skill that we want to be the best that we can possibly be. They all require the consistent hard work. <laughs> man, I, I love soccer, and man, if I had just gone to, to soccer camp and just sat there in the grass, you know, laid out my blanket, put suntan lotion on as everyone else is running miles and doing, I mean, the coach, like Dodderman. <laughs> What is your problem? I'm all good, coach. I'll be ready, man. I'm all good. It's good. No, I mean, that's ridiculous, right? And, and, and it's the same way in, in every pursuit, and it's the same way in, 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 in our pursuit of, of our relationship with God and our contact with our world. And so for the Philippian believers, work hard here meant dealing with, with some of that mentioned in verses one through four, some of that discord, some of that selfishness, some of the pride that was getting in the way. And, and I hope, honestly, I hope, and, and again, I don't know every one of you uh, real well, I don't know your whole story, but I hope that when, when people were introducing you to Jesus, I hope they were honest with you. I hope they didn't, didn't paint too rosy of a picture. I hope they made it clear that, that this pursuit, this commitment to trust Jesus is going to require working hard, that it's going to take you into difficult places. It's going to stretch you. Now, our salvation, the working hard is not, oh, I got to work hard so that I can earn my salvation, a right standing with God, and, and, and we know this, right? We can't ever be good enough to satisfy the righteous nature of God. It, it doesn't matter how hard we try, we will always fall short. And it's working hard for the Philippian believers who had already trusted Jesus through the ministry of Paul and others. You know, it wasn't about them working hard so they could stay saved because we could never work hard enough or be good enough to deserve remaining saved. But rather, this, this, this is a working hard that, 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 that demonstrates our salvation. It's about, about advancing the goals that God has for our salvation to, to be different like Jesus. It's about our lives being transformed, about us being different than we were a year ago, a month ago, a week ago. Paul's next sentence clearly indicates how serious the living out of our salvation to be to us. It says, obeying God, he says, with deep reverence and fear. 
And you think about it in the light of verses 6 through 11, where we get this view of heaven and of God and Jesus and, and his great humility and commitment. There, there's, there's no way an authentic follower of Jesus should ever take a casual or complacent approach to living out our salvation. Rather, it says, live it out with deep reverence and fear. We talked about our awesome God, and I, man, I just looked around, and man, some were just captivated, and, and holy, 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 and, and man, as we become aware and get captivated by God, it, it absolutely demands of us, if we get it, if, if we're in an authentic relationship, it, it's going to result in deep reverence and fear. It's not about a, a, a flinching, paralyzing fear where we're just ducking and afraid of God. I talk about my grand dogs from time to time, not as much as now I have a beautiful granddaughter, uh, but the dogs are still there. And, and I've mentioned this Rambo, and he got rescued, and he was, nobody could capture him, and he was, a, yeah, he was afraid, and he had wounds all over him, and he was a mess. I just saw pictures recently of, of him. I couldn't believe how bad he looked, but, but he didn't want to be captured, and, and someone called Gage, my son-in-law, uh, was soon to be son-in-law at that time, and Dana, and they went out to try to capture him, and they finally were able, he just kept retreating, 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 and finally were able to throw a lasso over him, and, and he kind of submitted once he got that collar around his neck, but but Pretty early on, he began to trust Gage and trust Dana. But because of abuse, because of neglect, it was very hard for him to trust. And so he would flinch. And I, 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 you know, I had to be so careful. You know, you just for the first months and even year, you just couldn't go up and say, hey, how you doing, Rambo? No, don't come in like this. Man, he'd be thinking he's getting smacked. And so you'd come in real slow got bit real good one day by him. But over time, <laughs> he began not to flinch in fear. <laughs> and it was amazing to watch his relationships with people grow, and especially with Gage and Dana. And it was amazing to be somewhere with Dana where, where Gage would get home and his dog was just almost would explode in excitement and it would use the back of our couch to you know, run laps around the room and then jump up and it just didn't know what to do or where to go. It was just blown away by the presence of Gage and so obedient. And that dog now, you can whack it and do anything. We're to, we're to work hard and we're to be in a relationship with God where we show deep reverence and fear. And just as Rambo needed to get to know Gage and get to know Dana and other people slowly, deep reverence and fear begin with knowing who God is and, and growing in our understanding of his grace. And, and it was mentioned often during our worship time today, just his love toward us. And, and, and the result of that relationship can't help but be that, that we're filled with awe and, and trust grows and, and, and God, I surrender myself to you. I bow before you. I reverence you. I obey you. I never want to grieve you. I tremble before your holiness. I'm so very, 
very thankful for what you have done and how you have rescued me and how you are changing me. God has earned a right (laughs) to our deep reverence and fear. But honestly, at times, we can feel really unworthy and inadequate and, and still doubt and relate to some of those scenarios that I gave earlier of will I really ever change? Can I change? Will I, will I ever get this right? And so Paul goes on in his letter to, to explain where the transforming power to be different like Jesus comes from. And in verse 13 it says, for God is working, there's that work word again, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And isn't that what we want most if we're his child, to to please him? Ultimately, the, the, the blessing of spiritual transformation comes down to the actions of the living God, not us. We are dependent on him and his empowerment to change. Paul wanted to see the Philippian believers change so they would represent Jesus better because he had such a heart, wants each of us to have such a heart to represent him well and, and, and to be able to have an impact in our dark world. For God is working in you, immediate context. Again, Paul wants the Philippian community of believers to, to know that God's at work in each of them so that they can change, so that they can do the right thing, so that they can live out their salvation. As we reverently submit to, surrender to, and reverence God, as we're called to do here, he will do the transforming work that only he can do. And that should give us hope (laughs) That, that, yep, I'm frustrated some, I am frustrated sometimes with me <laughs> in areas I just so much want to grow in. But it's so hopeful to know that God is on my side. <laughs> he is for me. <laughs> and he is creating that desire for change. And he is bringing the power, the energizing to be able to to make those changes. We must never lose sight of that. In all those scenarios that I shared about, I I realize, and I wanna address this in the future, but how pivotal our faith is and how when our faith wanes, when we start doubting, wondering, where, why aren't you, that, that our faith takes a hit, and boy, does that ever truncate our ability to be transformed by God. I definitely am gonna hit that here in the future. Man, it's so much better to understand that God's at work in us, creating desires and empowering us. That's so much better than reducing our Christianity to a a list of do's and don'ts and feeling like I gotta just avoid this and oh, screwed up, oh, I gotta do this, oh, I didn't do that for a long time and, and trying our best to make it happen. But it's about a relationship, it's about Jesus, it's about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 8, uh, residing in us, living in us. I don't want you to be concerned too much 
if you realize when you take an honest look at yourself that you're not perfect. <laughs> I would actually be way more concerned if you're not aware right now <laughs> that there's just places you need to grow and that that's frustrating to you. So much more dangerous to be at a point in life where we're just feeling like we don't really need to change because we all need to keep changing this process of sanctification and transformation becoming like Christ until we see him face to face and our salvation will be complete. Paul turned out pretty good, right? <laughs> he did pretty good from all we can read. But he found making changes in his conduct very frustrating at times. Just briefly, Romans 7, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul turned out pretty good because as we see here in a summation of this section of chapter seven, he knew who to run to. And God stirred up with him that, that desire for a changed life and empowered him to be able to do just that. Just very quickly, some, some steps towards spiritual transformation. These are on your sermon, God, I believe, so I'm gonna go way too fast, but I want you to revisit them, and I think the next steps will have you do that. Explore what God has stated to be true. That's just being into the word. God, what do you have to say about this? What is true? Challenge the lies. Secondly, by faith, appropriate his truth. Just childlike faith, God, you declare this to be true, then I'm gonna stand upon that with childlike faith. I'm gonna keep believing. I had someone in my office recently tell me, I, all I can do, I don't know what's gonna happen, I don't know what's next, all I can do is keep trusting, keep having faith in God. Number three, take the next right step. Take that step of obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit, recognizing your dependence on God. Number four, keep short accounts. Uh, don't let sim accumulate in your life. Practice spiritual breathing. Uh, you know, exhale, just quickly confess sin. And then inhale, receive God's forgiveness and realize it's based on Jesus and his shed blood and then repeat that again and again. We're partners with God. Verse 13, with the goal working together to accomplish what pleases him. We're at our best when we're pleasing him. The last, the last section here, why be different? Uh, in verses 14 and 15, Paul says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So Paul quickly gets very practical here, still talking somewhat about that change and what it should look like. And he's saying, you know, to, to show how our salvation has impacted you Philippian believers and us too, stop complaining and, and, and stop arguing. These are sins that, that divide people. They're sins that, that divide churches. Some of you I know certainly have been part of that kind of thing and, and they blur the gospel. 
complaining was used uh, once before by Paul in 1 Corinthians 10.10, and it alluded to Israel's bad attitude. They soon forgot that God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, and and they started moaning and and bellyaching about, we wish things were different, and we're tired of manna, and we want leeks and garlic and onions and all this stuff, and another time, we want meat, and, and, and they cried out to God, but, but as they complained to Moses and ultimately to God, they became ineffective at representing to their world how special it was to be God's chosen people. And the same's true for us, same true for the Philippian believers. People won't see a clear view of our Jesus if our lives run counter to him. So God, So Paul calls us to live clean, innocent lives as children of God, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. The word clean here has the idea of pure, untainted. It was used to describe wine that hadn't been diluted with water or metal that hadn't been compromised in any way. And so we need to evaluate for ourselves, do my words, do my actions in in any way taint or confuse people's view of who Jesus is. And so we gotta be honest about the words and actions. Just in this last day, this last week, is it in any way distorting who Jesus is? The word innocent has the idea of being blameless without blemish. We should live lives that don't unnecessarily open ourselves up to negative accusations, and our lives should be so blameless, so without blemish, that even if someone makes an accusation against us, that, that, that our conduct, our integrity is such that others will say, I don't think that's true about them. The, the accusation doesn't stick. It has the idea the accusation doesn't stick. Again, we must evaluate, do my actions, my words, the things I post on social media, the attitudes that I show when things aren't going my way, when I'm frustrated, do they in any way, as Paul was pointing out to Philippians, hinder this church family, does it open this church family up to blame? You know, when any one of us behaves badly, Any one of us in the church family, it sends a ripple effect into our community. And it it damages our reputation and it has a damaging effect by throwing shade on the Lord Jesus Christ. No one should ever not come to this church because of my attitudes and my actions. (laughs) No one should leave this church because of any one of our actions or attitudes. Verse 15, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, and here's a major point here, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Change is possible for us, and and, and here Paul states why it's so important that we live lives that are different like Jesus. Our our world is so very lost, so very broken, and Paul, I mean, he didn't go to how to talk politically correct class. I think he missed it. I mean, he just looks at, at the world, and he says it's full of crooked and perverse people. 
And, and we share that in common with, with Paul and the Philippian believers. Uh, we live in a generation filled with dishonesty and perversion, and, and it's perversion that's proudly on display like never before in my lifetime. So here's the reason for Paul's letter. It's a call for, for unity among the Philippian believers, for humility, and, and his illustration of, uh, of Jesus and his attitude. His reason for pointing this all out is, is our world needs to be, needs us to be shining like bright lights, like, like stars. <laughs> bright lights, a dark world. <laughs> God uses language from the final apocalyptic ver vision that Daniel had recorded in chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. And please take time, I have it in your sermon guide, to, to read that sometime this week. We, we possess this world's only hope. We can shine the light of the gospel into its darkness. And yes, we're told in, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, that we've been rescued from this evil world. And yes, uh, we can read in John 17, 16 and other places that we don't fit into this world any longer. We just don't fit. But as Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 18, Man, he's praying, Father, send them right back into this dark world. Send them right back in it to shine like light, to shine the gospel. And so God is, as a worship team comes up, go ahead, grab your spots. Jesus is counting on us. And I wonder, are, are we as individuals and then collectively willing to stand together with one spirit with one purpose fighting together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus. He's this world's only hope. And he's counting on us to be bright lights that shine Jesus, shine hope, shine the gospel to our dark world? Are we willing to say yes to him? Let's praise and glorify the name of Jesus. He is worthy. He is worthy. But it really does come down to each one of us deciding if being different like Jesus is really worth giving up our life for. Is he worth giving up our self-centered goals or is he worth giving up our favorite sins or our current status among those who are considered the special people in this world? Is he worth giving up our addictions for those addictions that seem to hold us together? Is he worthy of us giving up our go-to entertainments that pacify us but many times shame him? Is Jesus worth it? Paul said yes to holding firmly to the life-producing message of the gospel. Verse 17, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Paul knew it was very likely that he was gonna die 
declaring Jesus, and he was right. It wasn't quite his time yet, but he was okay with it, and he alludes here to the drink offering, a Jewish sacrificial practice of pouring wine out onto the altar. And Paul viewed any sacrifice he might make for Jesus as an act of worship to him. Being different like Jesus is worth giving up your life for. Let's determine to shine brightly like the stars in the sky. Amen? Amen. God, please continue that work in my heart. God, continue to bring about change. God, continue to, to bring about change in lives here. God, in children, in our children, in our marriages, Father, in our neighborhoods, You've plopped us into a dark and lost world. Help us not to be haters, help us to be lovers. <laughs> oh God, you've given us a privilege. And so today you hear us saying, <laughs> we're willing to be poured out. And so Father, pour us out for your honor, for your glory, in the name of Jesus, amen.